0: Dash two thousand and twenty four. We hope to see you January nineteenth and or January twentieth, and can't wait to connect with you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, Welcome back to Special Education Advocacy with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow and I'm so happy you're here. Today we're going to talk about a real life analogy. I had a weekend project and it really got me thinking about how so many things in life are just like IEP advocacy. So many hardships that we encounter, so many experiences, that we encounter are so similar to that which we do as parents in the special education process. And really those experiences are not all that different from experiences that teachers and administrators and related service professionals also experience in the IEP process. And so I want to share with you today an analogy that I had and I bet it will get you thinking about experiences that you have had that are really not all that dissimilar from your experience in advocating for your child who's on an IEP or a 504 plan. First though, I want to invite you to join me for a free webinar that I'm hosting on April 30th, where we're going to be talking about preparing for the IEP meeting. Now I have a product that is for sale on my website that gives you this step-by-step guide. But on April 30th, I am giving it to you for free in a webinar. I encourage you to join me on April 30th. We will be meeting at 9 o'clock Eastern. Pop over to my website to register. I'm going to be giving you the seven simple steps that I use to prepare for every single IEP meeting, whether it's mine or it is that for another child. So join me on April 30th at 9 a.m. If you can't make it, by the way, go ahead and register and you'll get the recording afterwards. Okay, so let's talk today about how special education and the real world are very, very much the same. So first I wanna tell you that I always say special education advocacy, because I feel like we all are advocates for the special education process and for the child who is receiving special education services. Oftentimes people will say to me, boy, you really fight for kids. You are such a fighter. You do a great job fighting. And I don't love the word fight because We are tasked with the job of being part of this IEP team. We are supposed to be part of a team. We're supposed to collaborate and communicate and work together and kind of put everything together. And I feel like Advocate kind of encompasses what our goal is. Our goal is to communicate for the child, to work together for the child, to meet conflict when we have to meet conflict with thoughtful discussion and with constructive criticism and with ideological concepts we should meet one another and we should advocate i don't really think fighting gets anything done and so special education advocacy to me means just that that kind of collaborative piece that teamwork that doesn't always mean everything is hunky dory and there's no problems rather it means that we are working together as a team and addressing conflict when it is necessary and so many times in our lives in the other part of our lives we're experiencing conflict we have to work as a team we have to think outside the box etc so about Oh, it's maybe even been a year ago. You know, it's 2021, and I always say that the last year, in some ways, feels like it was about six days long, and in other ways, it feels like it was um, five years long. (laughs) So I don't really remember when this happened. But a few months ago, let's say, I peeked back in my backyard, and there was a man back there. And I thought, well, that's kind of odd. So I walked back and said, hi, can I help you? And the closer I got, um, the the sooner I was to realize that it was the city planner guy, the guy that's in charge of giving you a building permit if you're doing some kind of building, the guy that takes complaints about building code and that kind of thing. And of course, as an attorney in our community, I know this gentleman. And I said, what can I do to help you? And he said, well, the people that live below you. it is significantly below me. I'm not good at distance, but I would say that the house that is adjacent to me in the back probably sits about 100 feet below, no, maybe even 100 yards, like an entire football field below the grade of my house, just straight downhill. And he said, the people that live below, you were experiencing water problems. Well, I couldn't imagine that they weren't experiencing water problems because they sit down in this valley. When you pull onto their street, you have to go down a pretty steep hill. They're at the bottom of the hill. Um, They, you know, kind of bought a house down in a bowl. And um, he said, so I was just coming to see if you had made any changes. And I said, well, I haven't made any changes, but we have noticed also that um, our hill is starting to erode a little bit. It's starting to slip a little bit. And I used to do a lot of hill slide litigation. For some reason I did one and I must have done it well so I kept getting referrals for it even though it wasn't really my favorite thing. And so I knew the signs to look for for hill erosion and mine were pretty obvious. And so I said we're going to put together a plan in the next little bit and we're going to see if we can try to figure it out. So last year we did a couple of things um, to try to preserve our hill. Um, We planted a few trees, a couple of um, plants, put in a a little bit of um, of let's just say stuff to try to hold the the hillside up and this year i noticed that one of our downspouts was not draining well my house was built in um the 60s and i don't think the downspouts have been um dug up and redone since my house was built um which means of course that they had crushed underground and the water wasn't draining out okay So at this point, I call the plumber and I say, hey, come give me a bid to dig out my downspout. And the plumber comes and the bid was astronomical. Now, I love hard work. I love to get sweaty in the garden. I love to um, paint something. Although with my autoimmunity, I get really weird cramps in my hand. So now I don't love to paint because I feel completely inadequate <laughs> when I'm painting because I have to take all these breaks to stretch my hand. Um, but I love to get hot and sweaty and get, and do a job. And I love to dig in the dirt. And my husband is a good worker on things like that. And my parents both like to help with stuff like that. So um, we got the bid, it was astronomical. And I said, we can do it. We can dig out this downspout. And while we owe no legal duty, in my attorney opinion, my professional opinion, and my personal opinion because it's my house, while we owe no legal duty to the people that live directly below us, a football field downhill of us on a different street, we could be nice neighbors and we could make um, an effort to divert the, the Rainwater, the runoff, um, kind of across our backyard instead of just dumping it straight onto their backyard as it goes now. By the way, I think the problem, I think I've identified the problem that they're having and it has nothing to do with us. Um, But still, I thought it would be nice to to help. And so um, what our project was going to involve was different than what the plumber thought because the plumber said, you know, I'll just dig straight out and I'm going to quote unquote, daylight, the pipe. I'm gonna let the pipe just kind of come out and see the daylight. And then the water's just gonna dump over this nice hill that you've got. And what I said was I don't want the water to dump out right there because that might make their problem worse. And that doesn't seem very kind. So rather let's do a 90 degree turn and then let's do the pipe with the holes in it so that the water trickles out. And let's make it run 30 feet across the back of my yard so that we trickle a little at five feet, 10 feet, 15 and maybe 30 feet down we're still trickling out some water and so the water is gonna kind of rainfall effect as as opposed to just coming straight out of a pipe. And so I said this to my husband and he said, yeah, sure, I think we can do that. I think we can dig about 70 or 80 feet of pipe underground. I mean, how far does it have to go? I said, 13 inches. He said, okay, well, I think we can do it. So I pull all these things on the internet and you know where this is going. We, we the end of the story is we probably should have hired an attorney or an advocate, right? If we're if we're doing the, the analogy to special education, We probably just should have hired the, the darn plumber <clears throat> with the astronomical bid, but we did't. So long story short, my husband and I dug the first 40 feet. It was hard, hard, hard work. Um, we had a shovel that was about 12 inches, but of course you don't get 12 inches um, deep the first time that you stick a shovel in the ground. So, and you run into rocks and roots and you know all kinds of troubles along the way. So it took us an entire weekend, like two Saturdays, um, to, or a Saturday and a Sunday, two weekend days to dig the first 40 feet, which went straight back. Now we got it done, you know, we used a lot of teamwork. Um, we had to kind of change up our plans a few times along the way, um, how we were gonna dig, how wide we were gonna dig it. You know, he just wanted to pull out about six inches wide of dirt and it, it, even like try to preserve the sod. And I said, well, in order to get deep enough, I think it's going to have, I think we're gonna have to um, dig the trench a little bit wider, etc. But we got it done. However, we said that took an entire weekend. The digging has to be easier. So we even rented a tool to dig the 30 feet after that 90 degree angle. And so um, we rented this ginormous trench digger to dig the next 30 feet. And I'll be darned, the trench digger itself got stuck in the trench. So then we had to figure out (laughs) how to get the trench digger, which had to have weighed a ton i mean it was the heaviest most ginormous thing we've ever rented um out of the ditch we stuck rocks underneath the tread and it did eventually come out thank goodness but um you know it essentially dug itself into the trench which was really quite a thing So we got it all dug, then we had to lay the pipe. And in laying the pipe, you know, I had watched Bob Vila, I had watched seven different videos on YouTube. How do you do a French drain slash downspout dig out? Um, And we kind of meshed them all together. You know, we took information from all these different sources and we ended up using a landscape fabric to keep roots out of the seams. We used PVC pipe. Instead of corrugated pipe that seemed likely to crush again, um, we used a combination of rock because I just couldn't decide if I wanted river rock or um, pea gravel. And then, you know, all these different decisions about how much do we have to cover the pipe and rock, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A thousand trips to the hardware store, and we got it done. Now, it doesn't look great right now. Um we have it um we have most of the dirt um back over the pipe. We don't have all of the dirt back over the pipe because that in and of itself is a project. You know, I told you my husband wanted to just kind of lift some sod out and put it right back in. And you know life doesn't work that way. So um, we are currently taking about hour or hour and a half stints and going outside and chopping up really hard clay, icky dirt, and trying to get it to crumble back in over the um, over the pipe. And I'm about at the point where I want to just buy um, four or five scoops of topsoil and start shovel- shoveling in nicer dirt. So the project still isn't finished. Of course, the project is never finished, but it's looking better and I'm sure that we'll have some grass seed on it in a little while. So the entire time I did this, I was thinking, you know, as I do, I, I am a thinker. Um, some might call it rumination, but let's call it thinking for now. I was just, you know, just thinking life happens and so you're thinking about stuff. And at some point I thought, this is really, 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 really hard. And we are really, really doing a good job and we're working together. And you know what this feels like? This feels like some of the struggles that I've had in advocating for Jack in his educational setting, because we're working together and we're really kind of thinking outside the box here. And so I reflected on that probably for an hour as I was digging. I have no idea. With This is kind of funny, by the way. With a bad back, um, I can't do a whole lot of things that are outside of my body, so, that are out far away from my body. So like vacuuming is really hard. Um, this is an aside, <coughs> excuse me. But um, when I vacuum, I um, have to hold the vacuum sweeper kind of up against my waist and walk with the vacuum sweeper, like like I have dinosaur arms, um, because the weight of the vacuum to pull it back to me is really heavy for me. So digging is really heavy. So what I always have to do is I have to like stick my shovel in and then I squat down and I get really close to the shovel so that I can pick up the load. Um, and that way I don't get too much weight on my back or my neck. And so I spent a lot of time over the last two weeks literally lying down in a pile of mud to try to move it. Um, And so, you know, I'm lying there in a pile of mud thinking this is a lot like special education. (laughs) And I'm sure that you can relate. So why is it a lot like special education? I think the first answer is teamwork. This involves so many people looking at things from so many different lenses, right? I am um, not an expert in Hill Slides, but I have done a lot of professional work in Hill Slides. And so let's say I was kind of a pseudo professional on our team. And then in addition to that, um, We had a lot of people coming at it from a lot of different angles. You know, I think my husband just wanted to get it done and he was happy to take direction. I was the person that was kind of the administrator. I had um, taken the lead on researching how to do it. I had purchased all of the materials. I had gotten all of the troops to help. um, And I was kind of like the general contractor or the principal of the job. Then we have my dad who has done um, a project nearly every weekend for his 75 years. And um, he has an opinion. He knows how to do things very well. We um, listened to his opinion. And then in some ways he gave opinions and we were like, that doesn't make any sense or that sounds futile. And explain to us why that would work, right? So we had a little conflict sometimes in planning as you do with every project. Um, We had Griffin, who was kind of an unwilling participant as a um, teenage boy, but was really, really powerful to the team because he's a teenage boy and he's a swimmer. So he's got strong shoulders and he works quickly and um, really all he needs is food. Um, And so maybe that's an endorsement to take um, snacks to your IEP meeting, right? So he's kind of like the the related service professional, the speech therapist, or the um, maybe it's the gym teacher or the counselor, somebody that's got a relationship with the kid that um, can come in and can do a good job and really is just there because that's their job. And they are just gonna crank it out and, and get it done so they can go to the park with friends. And so we have this kind of team Feeling to it. And then we had my mom who just brought us food, which was great. You know, we had kind of the cheerleader too. And you know, there's always a cheerleader on the IEP team. Um, And we got it done because we worked together and because we um, collaborated and communicated. And then we kind of all did our own things. And really, that is what happens on an IEP team, right? You communicate, you collaborate, and then everybody kind of takes on their role. The OT kind of stays in the OT lane. Sometimes I wish that we would all come out of our lanes a little bit more, but that's really what an IEP team looks like. We also had to DIY this. We didn't have to, but we were um, gonna save money. And so (laughs) we said, okay, so how do we DIY this job? And really we do that in special education, particularly as parents, but you'd be surprised at how much teachers and related service professionals, and even admins DIY, right? Because we're trying to figure out, okay, I know this child and I know this environment, this school environment, I know these people, these teachers and adults on the team. I know um, what I need to know and all that we need to do is figure out a plan or a program for this particular child for this particular year. And so to a certain extent, we do DIY it. And if we need help, like I consulted Bob Vila on YouTube, um, then we can do that. We can bring in an autism consultant or an inclusion consultant or a curriculum consultant. We can bring these people in, including attorneys and advocates, in order to try to help to support the team. And that's a really, really powerful tool that we can do. Now, as I said, the job was not pretty, but let's say it's done. That's what happens in special education, right? Sometimes it's not pretty, but we got there. The, the end is the end. The water is now going to come from my roof down the little gutter um, pathway, down the gutter stream that it has. And it's going to drain into a little catching um. Uh, pool, let's call it a little bucket to catch it so that it can come out quickly. And then it's going to go all the way down 40 feet. It's going to take a right turn and it's going to start to trickle out into, um, into this hillside. And so we got it done. It wasn't pretty along the way. It might not be pretty now. We're just going to throw some grass seed over it and pray. And how many times in special education have you said, it's done. Now we're just going to pray. It works, you know, and we do that so many times in life as well. It took hard work. And this is when I had the epiphany, right? Because I'm lying there in the dirt and I thought this is hard work. Now I have grit like you wouldn't believe and it's a darn good thing because when I was uh, 15 years old, I broke four vertebrae in a gasoline explosion. And so it's a good thing that I've got grit because if I didn't have grit, I would be um, probably in, in a pain clinic someplace. And so, you know, That thought is something that I have a lot, like this is hard work and I'm here for it. This is hard work and you're doing a good job, keep going. Um, And maybe that's why I'm so good at my job, right? Because the hard work is worth it. The hard work was preserving literally the value of my home. At some point it could have become very, very critical um, because erosion is a significant thing. It was preserving monetary assets because the um, the digging estimate was very expensive I got by the way I got this entire project done for 15% of the cost of um, the estimate now and that included renting a ginormous tool now um, with my labor (laughs) um, it maybe wasn't the most cost effective way to go about it but The hard work paid off in so many different ways, just like it does in special education. You know, just the feeling of accomplishment that you get when you finished an IEP for a year is significant and then you get progress reporting data that says oh we hit the nail on the head with this specially designed instruction and the child you know maybe we get more behavior supports which really just eliminates a lot of stress for the child you know so there's so many benefits to what we've done when we finish a meeting and as we continue to advocate in special education We also had to think outside the box, which we do so, so, so often in special ed. And I think which we should do even more often, right? So like one of the examples was um, we were going to wrap the entire thing in this landscape fabric. And I had forgotten to do it in the first little stint. But the first little stint of the pipe was um didn't have holes in it and so we didn't have to worry about rocks or dirt or anything else filling up the holes and um we used pvc pipes so we weren't as concerned with trees entering the pipe or the joints if they're going to enter they're going to enter you know trees go where they want to go and so as we started along this project you know we kind of had a plan well one of the things happened that i forgot to install something and so we kind of went back to okay what's the purpose of this landscape fabric what i just told you it was and we thought we don't really need it this it was kind of extra right there and so it saved us i think 35 dollars um and it also was kind of thinking outside the box so we just used that fabric on the other end the end that had the holes if you are a landscape contractor and i've done it wrong don't tell me i don't want to know um and then in addition to that um we had to troubleshoot because we got in there we thought we had um a plan right we rented this ginormous um, tool and then the darn thing fell in the ditch And there was no way, even with four of us pushing on it, that we were ever going to get it out of the ditch using our own brute strength. And so we really had to think outside the box and think, um, how are we going to fix this? We had to troubleshoot. And we did. We worked as a team to troubleshoot. We um, took 20 minutes where we were kind of all hands on deck, carrying rocks over there to get it some good traction. And we did it. We got that thing out and we were able to carry along with our job. So the point of this, friends, is not to say, um, you know, like it's not this really deliberate thing where I was thinking about um, special education while I was digging a trench. The point is to say that this advocacy job that you have. Whether it is in um, special, whether it is um, from the perspective as a teacher or a parent or a self-advocate or a related service professional, this advocacy job that you have is not all that unlike things that you experience in your everyday life as a mom and as an employee and as a professional and as a friend these experiences that we have as homeowners and um you know fill in the blank all of the different kinds of roles that we take on in our life experience similar hardships the problem the thing that makes stress that makes special education so much more stressful is that we're advocating for a child, oftentimes a child that um, we feel like doesn't have a specific self-advocacy voice. So we're kind of taking on the stress of um, that piece of it. And quite frankly, I think a big problem is that we don't feel empowered. We don't feel empowered with information or advocacy skills. And so if you can get the information and the advocacy skills, you can do this. And so the pep talk here at the end is, this is just like digging a trench. This is just like figuring out the budget for your company. This is just like meal planning in a week when you know that your family's gonna have 17 baseball games, two volleyball games, and um, First Communion. This is not unlike other hardships that you have found, other hardships that you have experienced in many, many different settings. You just have to put in the hard work, you have to think creatively, you have to collaborate and rely on other people and you can conquer the special education hill. I hope that's really helpful. Don't forget to join the webinar series. I'll see you on April 30th for that. I'll see you next week, same time, same place for another episode of Special Education Advocacy with Ashley Barlow.